But I think it's an important conversation to have to just openly be able to talk about our periods. And I don't think, I just don't think it happens enough. Like it happens like in like corners of rooms. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I think it's very much so within the friend setting. Like you have your select few guy friends that you can complain about it with, like, you know, like they're the ones who like openly listen. Like I said, that one example of like, you know, my friend back in elementary school. And then you also have like, you know, or you feel the need to like put up a front to be like, I can do this because I'm part of boys club. Like I want to be part of this room. I want to sit, take a seat at this table. In order for me to take a seat, seat at this table, I can't be talking about my period. I can't be talking about the fact that I'm having a rough day because I literally, exactly, exactly. All right, welcome to another episode of Chai in Our 20s with Pallavi and Sharon. And today we talk about it all. We talk about periods. We talk about our experiences growing up with periods and we'll say the word periods a lot. So get used to it. I'm so excited. So before we get started, Pallavi, what are you drinking today? I am. So first off, I'd like to thank um, our listeners for sending in tea recommendations. We will try them. We will try them when we're recording together because right now we are recording virtually. Um, but today I am sipping on guava juice from Costco, but it's kind of really sweet. So I fill my cup half with ice, cover the ice with the guava juice and then add like peach flavored bubbly to it. So like sparkling guava juice. Um, I do love guava juice and I love lychee juice. So I'm team juice actually, regardless. Wait, Um, is it lychee or lychee? Somebody like help me. Oh no. I've been saying lychee my entire life. Me too. Somebody once said it was lychee. Oh, if that person would like to uh, show themselves, let me know how to pronounce this fruit. Um, But that's funny that you said you're drinking juice because I'm actually drinking lemonade right now with ice. And I did the same thing where um, actually I diluted it with water a little bit because it's like super Mm -hmm. sweet. Um, So I add a lot of ice and a little bit of water. But I was not sure because it was like a hot cup mug type situation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So to those listening, I pour my juice in my blue coffee mug um, just because I didn't feel like taking a glass out. So we love that. Um, But yeah, that's what we're, we're sipping on today. And we are so glad to have you join us here for another week. Um, And today we're going to get a little intimate and talk about something that is also a part of the female experience that I don't think we quite touched on the last time uh, Mm -hmm. because we were looking at it from a different angle. But um, Sharon, tell us a little bit about, you know, what you think when you heard, hear the word uh, period or, you know, reproductive health or menstrual cycle. Um, many things personally, uh, I'd probably start off with, Hey, grade nine me, or was it grade nine or me going into grade nine somewhere along there. I think I was one of the later ones in life to get my period. But, um, I just remember being in elementary school and, um, girls talking about pads or like, you know, did you have, do you have the ones with the wings or without wings? And I was like, what is going on? I don't understand. <laughs> um, I just feel like at that point, I don't think I fully understood what periods were, if I'm being completely honest. I just, you know, knew the term thrown around here and there. Um, 
I think we did learn a little bit about it in one of her classes, obviously. But again, nothing fully registers until it happens to you. And so, you know, when it happened, it happened. And I can't say like I remember the physical pains being as bad, but like as I grew older, it definitely like worsened. But also it's like, I know my body in the sense of like, I know when it is coming. Like, I think a lot of women can be like, oh yeah, it's, I'm going to be getting it soon. It's like you yeah. have physical tells, you have emotional tells, you know, you just know. Um, and so there is that aspect to it. But I think to this day, every time I get it, I'm like in shock. I'm like, why is this happening to me? Like every yeah. month <laughs> I will be going through that. Same exact feeling. It's like you never really get used to it. Mm-hmm. It's like- I agree. It's the worst. Yeah, it really, it genuinely is. It's the absolute worst. And I think what's worse about it though is like, there are only certain people in our lives that we can like fully be like, oh, this is what's going on. Like, this is why I'm the way that I am. You can't be like saying that to everyone else. Like, you know, you have to go about your day pretending like everything is okay. But on the inside, you feel like you got this like red devil just tearing you apart. Like, it's just genuinely- on TV are problematic because they're like your period shouldn't be the thing that you should be like stressed about like you mm-hmm. know not assuming that women are just yelling because they're on um, their periods yeah like I agree but also you it's a lot we go through a lot but I want to kind of backtrack and you mentioned kind of learning about it in school but what was it like at home like was there a talk associated with getting your period or was it just something that like what was it in and like, I don't know if it's for, you know, every single South Asian household, but like, I just want to hear more about your experiences at home when this was happening to you. If I'm being completely honest, like, I don't remember ever receiving the talk about me getting it. I think it was just something that was known like through school. And I think it was more so once it happened that a talk kind of like came along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, even then, I'm still, like, I'm trying so hard to remember. It was more so, like, that, like, whole, like, oh, you're now, like, a woman or, like, some, like, weird little, like, I, I don't even think it came from my, it didn't even come from my parents, actually, that, like, them saying that. Mm-hmm. It was, like, I think when I told, like, one of my aunts or something, she was just, like, oh, welcome to womanhood. And I was, like, mm, is this what this is? Like, I don't want all that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But I think that's how we, like, embraced it or associated. Like, I obviously, like, you know, for them it's like a good sign um which again at that point in your life like you don't really care about you don't really understand like it just seems to be like this added thing to worry about um but I will say I do remember one of the stories I do remember is like one of my really good elementary school friends at that time um this is like a shout out to like the guy friend who was around at that time was just like he was so mature about it because like when this happened to her like is one of my classmates I remember like they were out like either bowling or something like I don't know some like kids event and when it happened to her like he immediately like ran to the drugstore and like he went and like yeah and like at that young age just be like so mature about it and like you know so I'm like in my head I'm like I'm trying to think I'm like did he have older siblings like what was the situation how was he able to like you know but like I think that helped her like quite a bit like I don't know why that story is still ingrained in my head because it's just like one of those things where it's like that was so sweet like because like you hear about other stories where like kids laugh or it's accumulating like you know so this is like kind of like that one time where it's like no like he went to shoppers drug mart (laughs) went and did the thing and like came back to that bowling alley and like literally was like hey I think you need to go to the bathroom 
Oh my God. It's serving allyship and mm-hmm. we love it. Yeah. Um, and it was like such a young age too. And like, you know, but um, I think with me, like what I remember from home was like, my parents are super like cool in that sense. Like, it'll be like, I don't know, my mom or my dad, like, they'll be like, oh, do you need to get like pads or tampons or whatever? It's like, it's a pretty like open discussion. If I'm being mm-hmm. honest, it's like, I never have to like hide the fact that that's what I'm going through. Um, so it's pretty oh, like out there in the open. But I mean, I also think it has to do with the fact that my dad's like a girl dad. Like, you know, he's, 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 he's got no choice. <laughs> <laughs> he's got no choice. <laughs> but how about you? Tell me about your first time. Was this a topic that was discussed at home prior to or after? What was the situation? I think it was very much so after. I think mm-hmm. I was never, it wasn't something that was talked about, but I wonder if I brought it up, what it would look like you know what I mean it wasn't talked Mm -hmm. about outright but I think if I had brought it up we might have had a conversation about it but it wasn't something that I think my parents directed I just remember for me it was just like my mom noticed stuff (laughs) and then she was like the next time this happens like just like talk to me about it um and then that's when we sort of had that conversation and this would have been like grade eight ish Mm -hmm. like um and I think that's kind of what happened within like my first time and then from there I think for a long time like growing up I just I think it was just because of the people around me and the culture in my school where like people didn't talk about it and it was something that I felt had to be kind of hidden which is like the whole stigma around periods but then as I got older like by the time I was like later into high school and undergrad and and like just you know out of the house I was like wait like what am I doing like nobody told me to like what within me made me believe that I couldn't talk about it and now I'm like back at home and I'm a complete menace and everybody knows like my brother my dad when mm-hmm. when <laughs> it's time of month so I just feel like I think I've definitely like grown throughout this process where I felt like it had to be very hush hush at the beginning but I think as a child you just don't know and like nobody talked about it openly so you feel like you can't talk about it openly um and that's what stigma is and now I'm just like pretty open about it that's what I was saying too like I think it's taught me to be more open about it it's taught me to be like why not talk about it and just be like this is what I'm going through hey (laughs) like yeah and it's just like okay we'll get into the physical symptoms but I just want to quickly address like the inequity and having to purchase like everything because absolutely that's like not everybody can afford it. Like I think I would say that they're we're in a so expensive. Position. They're actually yeah, very like, expensive. We're privileged to be able to have access to the sanitary kind of mm-hmm. products, but like not every woman can afford it. Like if you're living like in a shelter somewhere, like you don't get access to that no. a lot of the times, or you get like rationed access to it, which obviously isn't good, right? And it's all important for hygiene purposes and you know your own kind of like well-being purposes to have access to these resources and I just want to shout out the Starbucks in my neighborhood because I saw them like a couple of weeks ago put out like pads and tampons and everything and it's still there it wasn't just like performative for women's day like it's still there and I think people actively donate and I love that and I think more people need to like no not more people but like more businesses if possible need to offer it for free and I know there is something being offered by the government of Ontario for Mm -hmm. like children like maybe minors like free access in bathrooms at school or something like that Uh, and I think that's important like we need to make sure that we're advocating for equal access Um, it is an additional expenditure and we need to talk about the financial burden as well no absolutely I agree with everything that you said there because um 
it's kind of sad to think that this is something that women have to pay for considering they have no control over this and it's like Mm -hmm. again the pink tax is also applied on top of it too so like that's what I find is kind of mind-boggling per se just because I'm like all right this is something that we already don't have control over right like shouldn't we have society just being like oh by the way like this is just why is it not part of free healthcare? <laughs> like what <laughs> or you know just like around the world like you're right like at least here there is access to it you know like even the starbucks doing that right like that's a huge thing and then but when you think about other countries around the world that might not even be even an option like there might not even be like a starbucks there that's doing that so it's like mm-hmm. kind of sad to think that like this is something that a lot of like even younger women children have to like go through right like or even think about I guess in the sense of like women who don't have other women around them like you know say they're raised only by like brothers or fathers only right like and having to go through that on your own like I think that could be something where it kind of makes it harder to like do stuff or I also want to kind of bring back the whole idea that you said with like tampon commercials for example right like how they make it seem like um don't get me wrong we can do whatever we want to do when we're like at the end of the day but it's just also that idea of like having to pretend I think it's like having to pretend that everything is okay when sometimes you're just like I need this day and that's okay too like you might just need one day out of the entire month to like not be okay you know because you're really not okay <laughs> like, yeah do you ever... actually look at the biological like part of what's going on inside your body there's a lot of movement that's happening and before too and we'll get into that in a second but what you're saying reminds me of those like like the buzzfeed era where they mm-hmm. would like like emulate the cramps that women go through and like men would be like oh my god this is so painful <laughs> the try guys we're talking <laughs> I, about the try guys i think about that sometimes I'm, I'm pretty sure the gynecologist on that episode, I remember watching it, she literally said that um, your period cramps are equivalent to what like potential contractions can be like when you're giving birth, right? Mm. So it's like the level of intensity that some women go through with just cramps alone. It's like, and every month you're going to feel like, you know, you're having many contractions. That's wild. Like actually like I putting agree. that into perspective. And I think I remember watching some like random reel that popped up that was like showing up on everyone's feed. Whereas, like, they're comparing that, like, a new study found that, like, you know, having period cramps, like, we can now actually measure it to, like, having a heart attack. Oh, my God. The scam. The monthly scam that we we suffer. Although, I think, like, being able to give birth is also beautiful. And there's, exactly. Like, it's, it's a double-edged sword. But I do exactly. think... Let's take a moment to educate um, just a little bit about periods. So the average age of people getting their periods is 12 years. And during your teen years, you don't ovulate every single month. It's a little bit kind of a wonky road for your period to kind of taper out and your body to kind of get used to it. So a lot of your teen years are actually spent um, kind of, you know, going through really extreme periods, but then going through super light periods. And it's kind of not something that's predictable. And then it's supposed to supposed to being the keyword, uh, really taper off within your twenties, which is when everything's kind of more predictable, but at the same time, at this stage, we start to introduce contraceptives, which can again, mess with your periods. Um, and in your thirties, it's kind of early thirties are fine, but then it starts to get wild later on with some more kind of uncertainty around periods and irregularity around periods emerging. And then we kind of start to hit the menopausal 
era, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you will, in your 40s and 50s. And that's kind of just a little crash course on what the timeline can look like. And so far, we've lived out the teen years and Mm -hmm. we are now living out our 20s. And tell us a little bit about kind of some of the symptoms one might feel around their period, not just, you know, bleeding out for a couple of days, but there are things that happen before that, that I think are important to address. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think in the, speaking from like the twenties perspective, I do agree in the sense that like I, it has become like more regular or like in the sense of like knowing when your body's going to be like entering the menstrual cycle or not entering, but like, you know, entering the part where you're actually going to be having your flow. Um, I think in that sense, like, yeah, I think PMS needs to be addressed for sure. Um, especially for women, it can come in different forms. It can come as like stress, heightened mood, like, you know, it can be emotional, it can be depression, it can be anxiety. Um, and oftentimes like you might not know why. And I think it's like important to kind of address the fact that like, you know, your body's going through things like your hormones are changing. Like, you know, your serotonin levels might not be exactly where you need it to be. Um, and that's okay. And, um, I think that's the part of it where it's like, you might not know that's what exactly could be happening. Um, I also do want to address that. I think we're going to throw a little bit of a curveball for those who are in their twenties right now, or even just women in general. Um, I think COVID played a role in like, uh, women's menstrual cycles, whether it be the COVID vaccine or for those who actually did, um, get COVID. I know there are a lot of articles out there about either like it's changing the length of time or it's changing um, just hormones in general, like your PMS symptoms might have been heightened. Um, I know there are actually a couple of Reddit threads out here um, with a lot of women actually talking about it a bit more openly as to what they're noticing or what they did notice. And they feel like a lot less alone in this because I think a lot of them are kind of worried as to why they're feeling the way they are or why either it's like, I believe it's like, their cycles have been like skipped, for example, or it's been lengthened. Um, and then the other aspect to it is the hormones, because I believe that, I mean, according to like <laughs> some of these sources, it says that um, it does actually impact with like our immune system. So there is a bit of something there. And I, obviously there are a lot more studies that need to be done. And I think there are studies happening right now that are looking into it. So um So I'll be honest, I've seen a lot of like contradictory evidence where Mm -hmm. I think a lot of lived experiences for some reason are differing from what I'm kind of seeing experts say that no, like there's no direct correlation. Um, And I just think that's so interesting. And I wonder if that like stems from the bias that a lot of the times exists within medical practice around not believing women the first time. And this is something you see a lot where women go in with pain they're taken less seriously and this has been like there's evidence out there so I wonder what part of that is that bias that exists within the healthcare system and what part of it is true Mm -hmm. but from my lived experience I did experience like my cycle day get shorter by one day um it's been like three four cycles since I did get COVID so I like I can only share my lived experience I'm not saying that this is like the experience for every woman like I could be like an outlier in the data um but like do your own work, talk to your physician. They're the experts. They have the data, but like Sharon's saying those lived experiences, so important to consider. Yeah. And I think the other part is also like, you know, by talking to your physicians a bit more, maybe they'll be a bit more aware that this is like, there are more women experiencing this. And like, this is something to kind of take into consideration. Um, I think cause the other part, like I'll say like 
I've noticed like a lot of these threads talking game about like blood clotting a bit more, right? So it's like, you literally notice differences even within like the actual like flow of your period. Um, and I think that's kind of there. Um, and to be honest, I think what you said was like, you know, as part of being in your twenties, you're already supposed to kind of notice a more regular kind of like, you know, pattern, mm -hmm. I guess, and like predictability. Um, but I think, you know, with COVID it's kind of thrown a little bit of a wrench where it's like, huh, like I never felt this intense before, or like, you know, right. my emotions weren't this intense. Like I didn't feel my mood being this way as much, or it's like, you know, my flow wasn't like clotting this much. Right. So, um, to the women out there, like, yeah, like Pelby said, like either talk to your physician, do some research, um, see what it is that you need to do to kind of like, maybe even just like, I guess like backtrack a little and notice mm -hmm. like, you know, when it is that like you were feeling the way that you're feeling, was it before your period? Um, and if so, then you might be onto something there. Like, you know, maybe. Yeah. And just to kind of, um, I think that tracking is so mm -hmm. important because it's definitely made a difference. Like just on Apple health, just being able to record, like when my cycle comes, yeah. I've noticed like a more regular cycle. Like, I just think it's like decreased by a day, but in general, I never used to have like regular cycles until like very recently in the past, like two years regular as in like knowing that it's going to start on this day like usually it would be like you know a couple of days after a couple of days before um so i've definitely seen that impact through tracking so i do recommend like tracking because then you can look back and you can see like wait like this period was really bad and then this one isn't that bad and like what factors could have changed right sometimes food can regulate mm -hmm. how you like exercise feel. exercise can regulate that and on the note of like just something that you said around like talk to your physician about it so we get those data points so important because i don't know if like the studies outright asked about the impact on your menstrual cycle of yeah. the vaccine or if it's something that people are like retrospectively looking at which then introduces a lot of bias from like a mm -hmm. science like research perspective and i just want to take this moment to share that for a period of time the fda had actually banned women from being in trials when it came to testing new medications out and this also applied not only to women like human women but also to mice like female mice because the scientists were like the cycles are gonna like mess up with our mm -hmm. results but then that actually ended up being trickled into practice because now you know your physicians were like but there's no data on women like how can i effectively prescribe this and that led to a culture of you know letting women suffer more before they're ever given medication. And again, wow. there's data on this. So like when we're talking about periods, this is so important to consider. I think it does have an impact. And in research studies, we do need to be asking about this if it's something that could directly be impacted. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Is it because like you think that since there's so much of a variance like of what women can, I guess, go through, like, you know, it's harder to control it like you know like yeah like hormonally speaking mm -hmm. right there's yeah, a lot of fluctuations yeah. mm -hmm. um and you spoke about like that week before right seeing yeah. the change in like what you essentially would call pms symptoms mm -hmm. um and i get like i totally agree i think like the week leading up to it i get groggy i get like really mm -hmm. annoyed at everybody yeah i get sad for some Same. reason Same. like i cry <laughs> i, I oh my god I'll be honest I cried every single day <laughs> like I literally oh my god. cried every single day before I got it like seven days straight like I'm not even gonna lie and it's I don't know I genuinely feel like it's been intensified as well and 
I think the other part of this is like, I was thinking about it a little bit more deeply and how, um, if we look at it even from the cultural religious aspect of it, women with periods, I don't know if this is within the Hindu culture um, as well, or, you know, like I know initially in olden, like old and olden, like churches and stuff and customs and whatever, um, if women were on their periods, like they weren't allowed to like stand on the altar or like, you know, like technically mm-hmm. go receive communion even, right? Because you were deemed to be unclean. Yeah, and- so I've heard that too. And like, like it's the same. And then also like cooking, it was like you weren't allowed to like be in the kitchen. Oh, really? Which is like a break given that like <laughs> culturally speaking, women are like, you know, yeah, I did not know that. I, I knew it from a religious standpoint. I didn't know about the, the kitchen. That's interesting. Okay, true. Yeah, I just find it very interesting how it's like something that's so out of our control somehow still like dictates what you can and cannot do per se. But I think equating it to purity is mm-hmm. very like you're impure when you're on it. On but it? it's like yeah technically it's a good thing good that thing. i'm getting my period like yeah. you know like in the grand scheme of things in like evolution humans making it to the next generation mm-hmm. shouldn't mm-hmm. we be celebrating mm-hmm. it rather than running away from it you would think you would think that you know people would look at it as being like hey this is actually what continues to give life <laughs> but um no but women are powerful they are powerful beings um I just feel like I think I was thinking about this other um, research study or some someone had sent this to me where it was uh, our trauma or like anything that we face is technically I think we even learned this in like bio one eight three like looking back about it it's like how our the way ourselves the way you took me back <laughs> I know I'm sorry I had to take us back. Um, <laughs> But it's just realizing that like a lot of the traits that sometimes that we like or the trauma that we carry is from our grandmothers. So it's like when our grandmothers were pregnant with our mothers, um, that environment that or whatever stressors, you know, happened, it was already kind of that cell is already being exposed to it. And then that cell already has it's like it's being created in that womb in that environment is which is where we are from so it's like it's traced back to three generations and the way that they tested this with was with mice as well where um i believe it was a certain like flower or something um they wanted them to avoid or the grandma let's call her the grandma mice mouse um was taught to like avoid this flower and then mm. three generations or like two generations down the granddaughter mouse um avoided this flower without even being exposed to it wow so like it literally shows how trauma or whatever stress is like it's genuinely passed down not just mentally you know like but literally even like to the point where it's like biological so it's like I swore we learned this in 1AO3 as well and I remember like hearing that and me being like oh my god that is scary to think that like you know but it's also if we look at it even from like a societal perspective if we bring it out a little bit you notice how certain ethnic groups are still stuck in a cycle of trauma Mm -hmm. right or they're certainly stuck in a certain way because it's generational when they talk about generational trauma generational healing 
it's not something made up. It's coming to like be shown that it's actually yeah. biological. Right? It's, it like, blows my mind. Like, it's this insane. is wild. It's insane. It really did. Like it made me take a step back to be like, this is why certain communities are still struggling. This is why. It's not like something where we can just literally be like, oh, they're not getting their act together. No, that's not the case. It's actually genuinely generational trauma, genuinely biological as well. Like for the people out there who are like, you know, don't believe in like certain things unless there's proof. Like I'm like, no, there's studies being done on this. Like this is genuinely like it's to the point where you're like, no, we're talking about cells. We're talking about creation. Like it's shown by three generations. Like that's wild. Yeah. And it's funny that you brought this example up because there's like this clinician on TikTok who's gone viral. His name is Mubin Saeed. And he like talks about South Asian genes. Like he focuses on South Asian health and I think he's American. Mm -hmm. And I just think in a recent one, he actually talked about this, how he said that like South Asian people like store more fats in certain Mm -hmm. regions because there was a lot of uncertainty even going a hundred years back around like famines and stuff. Mm. So if like a grandfather, grandmother experienced some kind of famine, it could trickle down three generations down. So exactly what you're talking about. And he kind of like talks about the increased instances of diabetes because of the access to food is greater. And like our eating habits are not going to be the same as some other cultures because of this like intergenerational stuff that you're talking about but I just think it's funny because he always talks about like South Asian genes being like like it's just like it's the bad stuff so everyone's Mm. like why are you like why are South Asian genes the weaker link like that's what (laughs) everybody just like trolls him for um but I do think he has good content and I like send it to my parents because I'm like you should be going on a walk Mm. every day and no more sugar for us yeah no for for real like and i think it was very eye-opening like in the health perspective in every perspective like i think that's something where it's like we have to like you said like we kind of have to be the ones to either change it or continue the cycle and like it's not even like for a next generation where you got to think about it, it's like no it's two generations down that you're impacting like that's so scary to think but like it's not so i think what i've really taken away is that health I think oftentimes we're like health starts in utero right because like Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. but really health starts generationally like way before you're even conceived or the thought of you ever occurred and you know from there you go in utero from there it's like you growing up environment everything so I think it's such a collection of of different things that happen both nature and nurture for those of us mm -hmm. who are thinking about the nature versus nurture debate right now um but I just want to circle back to like periods (laughs) (laughs) and no I think like that could I think where I was going with this is also like that is a part of it right like what our symptoms what we face is also probably exactly like passed down right like I know for a fact when it came to the timing of when I got mine versus when my sister got hers, right? Mm-hmm. I followed my grandma's genes from my dad's side versus my sister definitely had more of like my mom's timing and everything. And it's just like so interesting to like, you know, like when you get it, like the symptoms that you have, like there's so many things that I feel like also is like, you know how you said your mom kind of knew, um, or maybe had an idea of like when you were potentially going to get it, right? Because she kind of knew like the age range, maybe, I don't know. Like for um, me and my sister, I think in the back of my head, my mom kind of had an age range because she mm-hmm. was able to market to her and her mom. You Interesting. Know? So is it only like like the the mother's lineage that dictates it? Or 
I don't know. I think that, that one, that one, I'm gonna. <laughs> As usual, women are carrying the weight of the world. Yeah, I mean, we might have to do a little research on that one, but I mean, I would assume so. I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm going off the pattern like in my family. Because um, I'm also thinking, like, what about the dad's mother? Yeah, I right? think from yeah, I think that's what happened with. I'm gonna have to do some research on that. Yeah, I'm like, what? Like, does the mitochondrial DNA have something to have do with to- anything? Probably not. Why would it? This Why is really cool. Like, yeah. this is just this whole conversation. This is us thinking out loud at this point. It really um, is. But I think it's an important conversation to have to just openly be able to talk about our periods. And I don't think, I just don't think it happens enough. Like it happens like in like corners of rooms. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I think it's very much so within the friend setting. Like you have your select few guy friends that you can complain about it with, like, you know, like they're the ones who like openly listen. Like I said, that one example of like, you know, my friend back in elementary school. And then you also have like, you know, or you feel the need to like put up a front to be like, I can do this because I'm part of boys club. Like I want to be part of this room. I want to sit, take a seat at this table in order for me to take a seat, seat at this table. I can't be talking about my period. I can't be talking about the fact that I'm having a rough day because I literally exactly exactly and it's like okay I just want to bring this up too it's like one of those things where it's like I guys will be like oh is it because you're on your period (laughs) oh my god stop yes and (laughs) look you know what like the feminist in me is like no what are you talking about because like we don't want that to be the thing that slows us down yet it's so inherent to our biology and like like everything that we do exactly and that, and that's the fine balance that I'm still trying to navigate is like me being like I got this I got this I got this versus me being like no like I need some downtime like no I need to be in bed like, I guess a good response if somebody's like are you in your period it's like and genuine. what about it <laughs> like <laughs> what about it but I want to yeah I think it's been like I think this has been such an insightful conversation because we talked about health we talked about like the financial side of things and the pink tax side of things we talked about the generational um, part of it yeah like health generational part of it but as like we like wrap this up I want to kind of talk about like our personal experiences if there's one like striking period you can think of which was like the moment that you were like wow welcome to yeah, the I, rest of your life <laughs> I will, oh I remember I remember mine I remember it vividly it was grade nine or grade ten I can't remember English class, um, my period cramps were so bad that I think like five minutes before the class started, like my friends around me, I just remember like, remember the plank challenge, like, or like whatever, it was just, you're like planking on some random object or whatever. I mean, this is before (laughs) that challenge came out. (laughs) I kid you not put two desks together, created myself like some flat, like flat bed kind of, kind of thing. And literally just was lying on it like my stomach on it like full-on parallel to that table and I just had one of my friends just like sit on my back because I was like I couldn't do it I was like I was like I'm dying right now I'm actually dying right now and that kind of started a tradition where it's like whenever sometimes I found a tradition it's more like I realized it actually really does help me where it's like I'll get my sister or someone's just kind of like you know sit on my back a little just huh yeah it it does it does the trick a little in between just put some pressure kind of help out with that back pain so that would be my pivotal moment that's when I realized welcome to the rest of your life wow how about you um so I haven't I I don't think my experiences like in high school were stark I have two actually so 
for me, it's like everything's good. And then like once every couple of months, sometimes like once in like more than a year, it'll be so bad that like, like it's so bad. And you're like, how did this happen? And I think that's what sucks about it for me is that it's not like the, like I know it's supposed to be predictable and it is to some extent, but there are some months like one month out of the blue where it will be unpredictable. And I'm going to be like, wait, like last month was so light. And usually if I've had a couple of like light, like easy periods, like I know, like I am (laughs) counting my days (laughs) until it's going to be one of like the really intense ones. And maybe like somebody's going to listen to this and be like, that's not normal. Like, what are you ladies talking about? (laughs) And that's fine. I really hope that's not the case, but maybe. (laughs) Um, Also like my family physician never talks to me about my period, which I think she's a little bit like... Same. I feel like I need to book. Why wouldn't you? Like, oh my goodness. Also, when I got COVID, my family physician did not care. She was like, "Yeah, I got it. Like, yeah, like I got the alert from public health." But I was like, "So you didn't think you could? You should like call and be like, are you alive?'" <laughs> can I ask? Is your family physician South Asian? No. Interesting. No, she's uh, of European descent. Fair. Okay. Fair. Because I'm trying okay. to think. I was like, I, sometimes I don't know. Sorry, I was gonna say really quickly though. Like, I don't know if you feel some type of way with your family physician, like even talking about women's health. Hmm. No, you don't. I don't really talk to her. <laughs> I, I think I think that's part of the thing with me. I was like, I realized like I don't think I talk about like my like that side of things as much with my. Actually, it's been a hot minute anyway, so this is kind of me reminding myself I need to do this. But it's not like they brought it up. <laughs> So why am I bringing it up? Why do we have to fight for healthcare and to be heard? Like anytime I bring up more than two topics, she's like, "Mm, got to go. And I'm like, Missy, it's been like, it's been like seven minutes. I know you have a 15 minute appointment with me, me. but it's like the healthcare system is so problematic. And this is like a whole other conversation. I know we're like sidetracking right now, but like the fact that we have to like advocate and fight, like the word advocacy is so inherent to healthcare, both on like like the healthcare provider side of things and like on the patient side of things. And I think that's so like, you're already going through so much with whatever you're going through. And now on top of that, you want to add in a layer of like, I have to continuously advocate for myself. I have to continuously knock on doors to make it through the healthcare system. Like, I'm sorry. No, I absolutely agree. Um, Sorry. Continue on with your period story. How do, okay. Sorry. We get really riled up when it comes to the healthcare system, but um, my first story would be when I was still an undergrad and I remember it was before an anatomy class and I was like sitting outside in the hall and I'd like, okay, to be fair, I hadn't eaten all day. And like, for some reason, like for a couple of years, even now, actually I eat less when I'm on my period to the point where I'm like, I could collapse. I also, I also can't eat meat on my periods like like the first like I never eat meat so oh fair (laughs) (laughs) I think like the first two days I get so nauseous by meat like it just grosses me out anyways continue again go ahead so I hadn't eaten all day right because I'm like uh like I don't want to eat I don't feel like it but I need reminders like I literally need people to remind me to eat and I'm like really fortunate to be living at home to be able to like have that reminder but I get like boiled broccoli because like that's like the easiest thing I could think of mm-hmm. eating right and I'm like okay with broccoli and I'm like out in the hall with like my little thing and like in that moment I just felt like I was gonna collapse like oh no like hot flashes I've never at, at that point I've never gotten them before mm. like mind you I've never gotten them I don't get them yeah. um and I was just like oh my gosh this is not good like I don't think I'm gonna make it to that to be and like everybody's going and everybody's gone into class and I just like sat there for five minutes because I 
obviously didn't want to collapse in public. Yeah. So I literally just like take like my stuff and run. Like I leave the broccoli there and I'm so sorry. Like technically I littered, but like it was really bad. So I just like <sighs> run back to like residence. Okay. And uh, at that point, one of my really close friends lived on residence too. And I was like, hey, like, and I'm like, I get to my door and I'm like, where are my keys? I have lost my keys in that oh, moment. No. I have lost my keys and I'm ready to collapse. And I'm like, what do I do? Do I go into like the common room? Like, or do I like find a room? So basically my friend, I call her and she was like, yeah, you can like go like just lay on my bed. And fortunately her roommate was like home. Mm. And I literally just remember like, there being Oreos, eating an Oreo and collapsing. Like I literally knocked out and I've never knocked out, like unconscious. Oh my Did I talk God. to a doctor about it? No, because no. like, mm. honestly, it's the way I was raised. My parents are like, you don't need to go to the doctors. They're like, you're <laughs> fine. Like the healthcare system has enough going on. But that was a really bad one. And I remember like, that was the, also the moment that we became like good friends. Like we were Aww. friends before and right. that like really bonded us together. Um, my other experience was during my master's actually. No way. This is an experience of allyship. This is before a presentation, like a final presentation. And those final presentations when you're in your master's are worth like all your grade. Yep. And in like, I'm just like, you know, like on my period, like day one or day two. And I'm literally just like saying like the slides and like things are starting to look a little blurry. And I'm like, I'm not going to collapse in front of the class. And this has never happened to me. Mm. And my friend who was like my good friend from my master's, like looked at me and he's like, something's wrong and he just like comes up and like takes the next slide over which I like really respect yeah um and then the question period happens and I literally just like run out of the class and he follows me and I just like sit on the floor literally and this is like an MBA building so like oh wow yeah it's executives up here um and I'm just like holding my like knees up on the floor in the middle of this building and he's like, are you okay? Like what happened? Like yeah. that was so weird. And I was like, I don't know. To be fair, this other girl had given me an apple before like my presentation. And like, yeah. it was after eating that apple that I felt sick. So I like was snow white and I was poisoned basically. And I remember like, feeling cannot really with bad. you. I actually cannot with you. It happened though. She gave me a freaking apple. Like it's not my fault. I'm not going to say, I um, say not the apple. I was fine before that apple. At least that's how I remember it. And then after this other girl, like he went in and this other girl had like Advil who gave mm-hmm. me Advil. And I remember throwing up I remember my friend bringing me vitamin water and us yeah. just sitting there and I'm like this is so humiliating he's like do you need to like go see a doctor and I'm like no I'm fine yeah. um, just drop me off at home and he did that and these are like my two worst usually mm-hmm. it's fine I don't know why I said every couple of months like every like two years it'll be bad yeah 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 so that's my journey now you know what we go through be nice be nice to anybody you meet on the street genuinely <laughs> Please and thank you. We would appreciate it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel, wow, that one's a rough one. That one's a rough one. Um, I'm sure there's more. Maybe you can dig it up later, but maybe this can be something for our female audience or even male audience. If you have witnessed or seen something in the sense of like where you've been there for someone, like, or if you're a woman and just want to share maybe your worst period story um send us a dm and you know like Paul said like just like how we said we will try out the tea I think with this one it'd be fun to kind of just share maybe some worst case scenarios or not even like just what you're going through and then with that we would love to maybe share that on our next episode as well we say that Um, every time I know (laughs) we never do it because we forget 
And it's like, and I'm like, every time I'm thinking about the DMs that we get, and I'm like, I really need to start reading these out loud. So keep us accountable. Cause you know what? Next time we're going to read these out loud along with what we're sipping on. We will like read like two DMs. How about that? Yes. I think that's fair. I think we can do that. We can stick to this. We're going to put this down, write it down, make it a goal. So that's what we're going to do. We just want to say thank you everyone for tuning in for this week's episode on what it's like for a woman to be on their period. And with that, continue following us on Chai 20s. Send it to a friend, a female friend maybe who could possibly relate. So have a wonderful rest of the week, everyone. We will see you next time. Bye.